you're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. It's 1964 again! Is this time travel? Have we gone back through time on the Wave Rider? Ooh, the Wayback Machine. Here they are. The originals. The original teen UFO investigators from 1964. Not all of them. Some are not with us. Others gave up on the UFO stuff. Others we just didn't reach in time. But those we have include Alan Greenfield, whom you've just heard. We're as silly as we were in 1964. We weren't silly in 64. We were serious then. It's now that the silly comes in. Uh, But don't quote me on that. Oh, no, we are. We're on the air. I believe with perfect faith in the flying saucers. And though they may tarry in landing on the White House lawn, if ever there was a time we needed them to land on the White House lawn, it's 2017. We have, as you heard before, Tim Beckley, one Yay. of the ringleaders of those ages. Mm-hmm. He's got our leader ring or something. You're doing that now? For present and accounted for. We have another person I met in those days, Jerome Clark, who has been sitting back and Hi. wondering why he got involved in this. Jerry? <laughs> How you doing, Gene? Good to hear you. Another old friend from that alleged photo from 1964, Rick Hilberg. And he made some comments Alan did about your weight at the time. Rick lost it and kept it off, which is more than I can say. It comes and goes with me. Rick. Oh, Ricky. Sure. Well, let me just say that I've, you know, uh, all my clean living, uh, healthful activities, Uh, have helped me lose and keep my weight off. For 93 years. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, just because I feel like I'm 93 doesn't mean I am 93. You don't feel like you're 93. You're fine. Well, we've we've come from teenage ufologists to senior citizen ufologists. What a road that was. I want to get into how... This all came together, but I just want to make one observation about that photograph that Alan sent. The only one he sent with me in it, and he picks the one where I'm eating a pastry. It's almost the only one that I have, Gene. I mean, you don't like the photo that I have with you interviewing that uh, bootlegger, uh, what was his name, Lael, which I like a lot because it's a very documentary photo. So, I d- you know, I don't. I don't uh, have a bunch of them of you, but I could have used that one, but you would have complained about that, too. You're never content with me, Gene, and I've known you since 1962, almost as long as I've known the elder Timothy Beckley, whose address I still have memorized Ah. from those days. His mother's address, actually. Yes, that's correct. Yes, Some people, I'm, I'm sure, are still sending mail there. Well, I won't mention the address because you still own it, right? No, so. no, no, I don't. Oh, no, I, haven't, I haven't owned that in, in quite a while now. Don't show up at 3 Cortland Street, New Brunswick, New Jersey, <laughs> looking for Tim. Okay, we've got, as our guest co-host this week, Randall Murphy, 
who compare to this crew, this aging crew, illustrious crew that we have here. We have J. Randall Murphy as our guest co-host this week. Chris is off doing something else on special assignment. So, Randall, you must feel like a young whippersnapper compared to the rest of us. Hey, this is a real treat. Back in 1964, I was about six years old. And uh, that's about when I started to get interested in the subject myself and uh, started having some strange experiences myself as well. But uh, yeah, I'm really glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. Let me ask each and every one of our crew here how they got involved in this. So let me start with Jerome Clark. I think I must have met up with you through Ray Palmer's Flying Saucers magazine in the Saucer Club News section. Is that correct? Yeah, I think that's how we all became aware of each other's existence. Uh, Palmer had that section in his magazine that that had a little paragraph about what some particular group or newsletter was doing, and we wrote each other and, and connected. And before that, at least for me as a small-town kid in Minnesota, I was pretty isolated from any kind of national saucer scene. So that connected me with you guys. What led you to become even interested in the flying saucers thing? Reading uh, Ruppelt's report on unidentified flying objects in uh, 1957. It just, the book just fascinated and thrilled me. I think a lot of people in our generation got started with that book. I know that if I had read George Adamski about meeting up with Venusians, even at that young and impressionable age, I'd have been turned off and thought this was all nonsense. But Ruppelt's book really was a smart book and it appealed to my curiosity. And I didn't know at the time, however, that I had signed up for a life sentence. You can say that again. Now, Ruppelt, it was interesting about him. He died real young, I think, probably in his late 30s of a heart condition. But before he died, like a year before, they came out with an expanded or updated edition of the report on UFOs, where he kind of spent three chapters mostly recanting the rest of the book. What was your feeling about that? Well, of course, my my heart was crushed, although I have come to understand since then that Ruppelt at least claimed to be a lot more skeptical than he appeared even in the original 1956 book. But that book was definitely open-minded, and by the time he got to the end of it, if you yourself where it all open-minded, you thought, yeah, there's something going on here, and it's pretty interesting. The, the three added chapters that came out uh, several years later were just sort of Project Blue Book boilerplate and, and not of great interest, but they shocked and disappointed people who read the first edition. Now, Major Kehoe made a big deal of the fact that he felt that Rupert was subjected to severe pressure. He quoted him as saying that. He was being given pressure by his supervisors or the people who were in command saying, you can't do that, you need to back off. What's your feeling? Well, there's no question the Air Force was really unhappy with Ruppelt's book. And there was feedback, but I think that Ruppelt was basically a company man. And I think that um, he wasn't forced to do something that he was really opposed in principle to doing. He was kind of, um, his psychology was such that he was not a rebel, and he just fell back in line. 
And he also understood that being associated in a positive way with UFOs wasn't going to do his his hope for writing career any good. In fact, when he proposed his second book, which was never published, but he did have a proposal for the history of the airline industry in the United States, he never even mentions anywhere that he had written a book about UFOs. Now, what's sad about this is that people like him die so young, and nowadays, of course, with the advancements of medical science, very likely he might have survived. No question, and I say that myself as a heart attack survivor, and he died of a heart attack. He would have survived if it had happened in our time, but it didn't happen in our time, and so sadly he died young. Same thing said about someone else who died in his late 30s in the 1970s, the late Bobby Darin, this amazingly talented singer, songwriter, musician, and actor. And it wasn't just Splish Splash, the song that made him famous. Anyway, we've got more to come. Chris O'Brien's a special assignment. So we have this crew of former teen ufologists, Jerome Clark, Rick Hilberg, Tim Beckley, Alan Greenfield, and Gene Steinberg, whoever he is. And our guest co-host is the young whippersnapper, J. Randall Murphy. You're in the Paracast. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items and entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast Jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. If you go to store.theparacast.com, stop by and take a shopping tour. If you're 85 or younger, would you like peace of mind and comfort for your family? We're Final Expense Direct with an urgent message for you. The average funeral today costs over $8,000, but the most you'll get from government benefits is $255. How will your family pay the difference? We can help. Our senior plans start as low as just a dollar a day and pay up to $30,000 for a funeral and other final expenses. Peace of mind is easy. There's no medical exam. You'll have lifetime coverage, and your plan can't be canceled as long as you pay your premiums. Call now for free information about our senior plans. Answer a few simple questions and receive approval right on the phone. Plus, call right now and we'll give you a discount prescription card for free. Call 800-557-0158. That's 800-557-0158. Again, 800-557-0158.
Anytime, any place, anywhere. Radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light system today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. Being self-reliant is about being prepared and to do what you need to have your own source of renewable energy. Portable Solar LLC offers the most powerful EMP-hardened solar system on the market that is transportable from place to place, and the best part, it's very affordable. Contact them at PortableSolarLLC.com or call for details at 972-575-8875. SolArc EMP-hardened solar generator, energy insurance for your family or business. Call Portable Solar LLC today or go to PortableSolarLLC.com to check out their patent-pending technology. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. We continue as we revisit teen ufology and the people who started in the 50s and 60s and are still around Still crazy after all these years. Rick Hilberg, what got you involved? Well, it's a really long, crazy story, but actually when I was in elementary school back in 1958, uh, the subject of UFOs, or as we called them back then, flying saucers, was brought up. And I think the uh, teacher, I don't remember what kind of class it was, a civics class, a science class, I have no idea. But the teacher uh, sent some sort of learning opportunity, so he assigned people to uh, make a report on UFOs, the pro side and the con side. Well, I I hadn't thought much about the uh, UFOs, uh, but I said, well, I don't believe these damn things, you know. So I signed up on the con side and I came up with all this information why they can't be real and why they can't be real. When the presentation was made, the, the people who were making the pro side seemed to have a lot of evidence. This was 58. This was right after the great big, you know, flat back in 57. So I said, well, I better take a second look at this. Well, one thing led to another and some of the people who made presentations in that class and, you know, this was, this was in 58. During Christmas break, break, they said, hey, let's get together and talk about flying saucers. So we went to this one, Steve Bogdan's house, on December 28th of 1958, 
and we had a what was semi-organized UFO meeting, and people brought the books that they had. I didn't have any books yet on the subject. I didn't even have Ruppelt's book. Um, I didn't even belong to the Science Fiction Book Club at that time, where I think most of us got it eventually through there. But they brought some Kehoe books and this and that, and True magazines and whatnot, and uh, I, I kind of got hooked on it, and it's just you know been uh, been that way ever since. How did you take this from someone reading on the subject for a very brief period of time in your life, the skeptic, becoming more or less a believer, to someone who had his own UFO group, wrote magazines, published books? How did this become so active for you? You know, it's really strange. It's something that that grows on you. As as you know, uh, Jerry mentioned. I think eventually we all got together from the Ray Palmer zine. You know, chasing the flying saucers. Uh, Gray Barker. We read that, and then the Saucer Club News, and the little nucleus of a group that met in 1958 kind of hung on and went together and went together, uh, and we got together, and then. There was a local Cleveland group that was formed in 1956, the Cleveland Ufology Project, which was headed by the the local guy who had a certain amount of fame here in the in the region, Earl Neff. And uh, we started attending those meetings and learned more about the subject. And why we started doing a newsletter, I don't know. Whether three or four of us, we got a little mimeograph machine and started making uh, you know newsletters. Uh, I eventually got a spirit duplicator, like I think Tim did, you know, back in the early days, a purple, smelly paper <laughs> the, the printing that came out. And I don't know. I, I just wanted to learn more about the subject. I wanted to share what I was learning with other people. And it just kind of, it snowballed. And I mean, I've been, I've been doing a publication on, on UFOs or 14 things since 1962. And, and, and just this uh, past issue, the Flying Saucer Digest, which I inherited from Al Manning, we just celebrated our 50th anniversary. We're, I think, probably the last ink on paper zine saucer traditional saucer zine that's uh, being published today you know people today don't understand the problems we face then because right now everybody can get a cheap laser printer with almost offset quality for like 120 dollars or used maybe 75 dollars and you can print your own magazine of course you got to pay for the toner but then you get recycled toner you know how that works in those days we had to use a mimeograph machine which meant that you had to type this on a stencil and the ink went through the stencil and hit the paper. And I guess they were cheap enough, but the difficulty was you had to type it accurately. It wasn't like having a computer with a word processor where you had to use one of these clumsy features that allow you to kind of erase it. But literally speaking, it was difficult and it was time consuming. I even owned one. So all these techniques we had to use to get magazines out were really, really clunky and difficult, but we were all dedicated to the process. But I think the person who really went furthest in just being a UFO publisher, forgetting anything else about writing books and magazine articles and going on radio shows, was nonetheless Tim Beckley. So what got you involved in UFOs, and why did you make it your life's work? Well, you know, because I probably couldn't get a job elsewhere. Uh, well, no, actually, uh, I was born in 1947. I guess we were all born around the same time. And uh, UFOs were very popular. And I mean, they were in the news, you know. I mean, uh, 
you turned on the TV and uh, there would be, uh, you know, Major Kehoe. Uh, you could buy a paperback book like Frank Scully's for a quarter or 35 uh, cents. I remember the first magazine that I ever bought on the subject, and I still have a copy of it here, was something called The True Outer Spacer. It looked like Confidential magazine. It had a very garish red and yellow a cover uh, to it and it was like where the chinese from outer space you know but it was using some of the, some of the same ufo uh, photographs that are still used uh, today believe it or not and in 1957 when i was 10 years old i had my first of three ufo sightings warm summer evening we were outside somebody comes up to the front porch where we are points out two objects in the sky one across the street over an abandoned factory building and one over the house or pretty close to the house where i was uh, born and raised and these things uh, uh, kind of revolved in the air there, kind of circled up above for about, oh, I guess maybe 15 minutes uh, or so. And then one of the one across the street looked like somebody had pulled a light switch because it just disappeared. A couple of days later, there was an item in the newspaper that other people had witnessed this, but the authorities were saying that it was a weather balloon. Well, this was no weather balloon. Even at the age of 10, I knew it was something that was under intelligent control. Then I bought a copy of Ray Palmer's magazine. And like we've all uh, stated so far, this is how we all met up. Uh, we uh, started exchanging our newsletters after we started publishing them. And we used to send around little, uh, if you remember, reel-to-reel tapes. We did take about 10 minutes to give our own thoughts and opinions and then send it on to the next person. And then about a month or so later, we'd get the tape back. And so we could sit there and listen to uh, everybody's uh, conversations and thinking on the subject. And we even had a few conference calls at great expense back before you had unlimited, uh, you know, like uh, minutes and texting and, and things uh, along that uh, uh, line. So somehow we all managed to, to hook up and uh, we went to UFO conventions together and uh, partied a few nights, uh, you know, over the years. And uh, overall, I mean, there's been some rough times, but I've enjoyed doing it. I can't say that I know more about UFOs now than I did then, but it's, it's an intriguing subject. And I think I've come to realize that it encompasses a lot more than we thought uh, when we were told by Major Kehoe that these were spaceships, you know, from some other planet. We have Alan Greenfield, Tim Beckley, Jerome Clark, Rick Hilberg. Guest co-host is J. Randall Murphy. Chris O'Brien wanted to be here really a lot to hear we old people talking about the subject. You're in. The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. It's a no-brainer. A Big Berkey water filter is the one you need, period. You need a water filter that removes chlorine, fluoride, pharmaceuticals, BPA, and other endocrine disruptors, pesticides, bacteria, viruses, and much more, right? And does it all at only two cents per gallon. Get the original, most trusted name in gravity water filtration, Big Berkey. And now GCN listeners receive 5% off ceramic filter systems using code GCN. Call or click 1-877-99-BERKEY or BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY. The answer to being in control of your own health care is freedom from insurance. Become part of a group of self-pay patients that come together to share in each other's medical expenses. Individual share amounts begin at $107 a month and $347 for families. Choose from three health sharing programs. Holistic treatments may be eligible for sharing. See guidelines. 
Discount programs available for dental, vision, and pharmacy. Go to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it. But we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2979. 855-700-2979. That's 855-700-2979. It's been said, any society is only three missed meals away from chaos. Those times may be near. Think about it. Our country faces multiple terrorist threats and aggressions from Russia and North Korea. Social unrest and violent marches yet again may lead to looting of stores and city shutdowns. And our crumbling infrastructure leaves our power grid vulnerable to long-term outages from a single cyber attack. When the chaos from any one of these threats arises, the government knows it can't provide during a widespread national emergency. That's why you need your own plan for self-reliance. That's where My Patriot Supply comes in. Get a four-week survival food supply for only $99. That includes breakfast, lunches, and dinners. Order online at preparewithgcn.com. $99 for four weeks of survival food that tastes like homemade cooking and lasts up to 25 years from My Patriot Supply. Get your kits today at preparewithgcn.com. Free shipping is included. Preparewithgcn.com. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And when your identity is hacked... It's a nightmare. Hi everyone, Paul with Liberty ID. Did you know that children are 52 times more likely to suffer from identity theft than adults? Is your family prepared? Identity monitoring will not fix the fallout. Liberty ID does. Here's an exciting offer for listeners to this station. Go to LibertyID.com and cover your entire family, your spouse, your children, and your parents for only $129 a year. That's right, $129 a year. Use promo code free trial and we'll give you the first 60 days free. That's LibertyID.com promo code free trial. Prepare your family for less than half what other companies charge for only monitoring libertyid.com promo code free trial libertyid.com the name in identity theft restoration this is Jacques Vallée you're listening to the podcast the gold standard of paranormal radio You see, Alan Greenfield is not a ghost yet, maybe in a couple of years, but he tries to sound like one. So this is the teen ufologist grow up, and it's something kind of unique. You know, teens still get interested in things, but this particular group and a lot of other people got hooked onto the flying saucer craze in the 50s, 
And by the 60s, we're writing articles and books, maybe, and sometimes lecturing on the subject. And some of us try to make it, to one extent or another, our full-time job. Or get involved in other stuff. So, Alan Greenfield, we've had you on a number of times on the Powercast, too. So, very briefly, let's keep it brief now. Tell us how you got hooked into this. I'll do that, provided you let me come back to Rupelt's second edition and what I know about it. Let's talk about that first, about Rupelt and then your history. What do you know about the second edition of the report on unidentified flying objects? Well... Keep in mind, I was 15 or so, but uh, when I read the second edition, I was so angry by those at those three chapters, I literally ripped them out of the book. I wouldn't <laughs> do that now. I don't believe in any kind of book burning, but uh, his main argument in that section, or whoever actually wrote it, was you can't have craft that don't show up on radar. And this was, of course, long before uh, stealth technology was available. So it was it was an empty argument. However, many years after that, I had an extensive conversation with Dewey Fournay, who had been in the early days the Pentagon monitor of the uh, Air Force's UFO project. And he told me exactly, it was not a surprise, but it was, you know, coming from somebody who had been there rather than speculation or rumors or outside sources that after the CIA panel in 1953, uh, which concluded nothing about UFOs, really, just that the 1952 summer wave, the July 52 wave over D.C., had so jammed up all kinds of things from radar to actual planes in the air to people making phone calls and so forth that in the mentality of the 1950s, the Soviets could infiltrate private UFO organizations and cause them to uh, create UFO flaps, which indeed they could. I experimented with that much later. And uh, simply by announcing, look at the skies, you can get hundreds or thousands of phone calls. In any case... Before you go uh, on, Alan. So basically, it's almost like hysteria, where people look at any light in the sky and say, my God, that's a flying saucer. Or maybe they just happen to see something that is weird. Well, that's a whole different subject. I think a lot of these are legitimate sightings. It's just that people are not constantly looking at the sky. Uh, our old friend, uh, Reverend Stranges, used to say, if you want to see a flying saucer, this was in his preaching thing, he said, look up. Well, most people don't, you know, most of the time. And so you don't see things. Of course, Today they're looking at their cell phones, man. Yeah, uh, that's right. Uh, I see people talking to themselves, and for a couple of years, I thought they were just, you know, your average schizophrenic talking. And then I realized they were on some kind of Bluetooth device. But, yeah, they're constantly looking at their cell phones, even when they're behind the wheel of a car, which has a pedestrian. But in any case, you have to put yourself in the McCarthy era where communists were everywhere. I'm a big fan of old-time radio and some of the shows from that period, these fantastical 
communist conspiracies from the little old ladies in the Communist Party USA were imagined to be, you know, blowing up uh, power plants and all sorts of things. They wanted to shut down interest in UFOs. And I think that that simply reached a point where Ruppelt was put in the picture and said um, he probably got a visit, probably from not from the CIA directly. But if, if it was a commitment of that era to diminish interest in flying saucers, UFOs, whatever, in order to protect us from that mean old Soviet attack that was coming, then uh, he probably got told to write those chapters or they were written for him because the style is quite different. I take into account what Jerry said, that he might have written a more skeptical book in the first place, but... You know, people say things after the fact to justify whatever they did. So um, my general thought is he was told to write those three chapters, and they came out uh, in that way. Fournay was unequivocal about that, that ufology, private ufology, was considered a, a threat to national security, not UFOs. And uh, the government was acting accordingly. The government has never known anything about UFOs or really much cared after the very, very early days. That's not that's not where it is. And their approach was strictly nuts and bolts, and you just don't get anywhere with that. Um, so that's basically what what I had to say on that subject. I believe that he, he switched sides because he had to. Now, and that's then, what Major you know, Kehoe said. Major Kehoe quoted in his books, Ruppelt, saying, I can't handle this much longer he was under deep pressure so that's why i come to well, that conclusion okay here here's the deal um kehoe has diminished in my respect to the pulp writer that he was uh over the years because um he uh said that rupelt probably died because he felt bad about having to write those chapters but as jerry pointed out People died. I don't know if he smoked. I don't know what the particulars of his situation were, but uh, I don't find his death that mysterious, and I don't think it had anything to do with his UFO book. I think he just, you know, unfortunately died young. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they live to be 90, whatever it was that uh, Leonard Cohen was. I mean, it's, you know, some of it's DNA and some of it's lifestyle and... Uh, who knows uh, what that was? And the Kehoe had no right to really uh, infer that. But the notion that, uh, that he was pressured to write the chapters or given the chapters to put in the book, uh, that is consistent with what the CIA panel recommended. It's consistent with what happened to the IFSB. It's consistent with the formation of NICAP, which was originally civilian, and then all of a sudden you had all of these uh, military types taking over the organization and chasing nuts and bolts all over the place. Um, I think that uh, uh, it uh, is consistent with the notion, the notions that were around during the McCarthy era, which really only ended in um, after. Uh, well, I guess during the Johnson administration, even then, you know, the, the, the myth that we were dealing with, that 
dealing with a vast unified communist conspiracy that was going to overthrow the world was simply not true. And uh, pretty much revisionist historians have said that. Doesn't make communism a good system. It does, however, uh, explain a lot of what the country did back in the day. We'll get into more of this. And I want Jerry Clark's response to the matter of Kehoe and Rupelt in a moment. I want to remind you also that we have a second radio show called After the Paracast with extra stuff. It's unpredictable. And even more important, on this weekend's episode of After the Paracast, we will be featuring some of the guests from this episode to extend their discussion about UFOs and other subjects. You won't want to miss it. It's available only if you subscribe to the Paracast Plus. Go to plus.theparacast.com, plus.theparacast.com. We have Tim Beckley, Alan Greenfield, Jerome Clark, and Rick Hilberg. You're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest-priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. Lifetime Gray's 100% grass-fed beef has the health benefits you seek. When compared to conventional beef, it offers good fats while virtually eliminating the bad. That's the result of cattle who never eat grain, ever. Rich in antioxidants, including vitamin E, C, beta-carotene, and CLA. No artificial hormones, antibiotics, or other drugs. For all our fresh, non-cooked products with only 100% grass-fed beef, go to MidasResources.com. Use voucher code GCN to get 30% off your order. MidasResources.com or find us on Facebook. If you had purchased $100 of Bitcoin in 2010, today you'd have $2,600,000. While that sinks in, you now have a huge cryptocurrency opportunity at below market price at a guaranteed 10 cents per coin. ProCoin, a coin publicly traded on the open market, easily converted to cash, available in 60 countries, and ProCoin is the only cryptocurrency offering coin back rewards for consumers and merchants. Take action by August 31st at ProCoinCurrency.net. That's ProCoinCurrency.net. Deadline for 10 cent guarantee is August 31st. 
Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation. Analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. Is that Ellen painting her garage? Yesterday she was trimming her hedges. What's her secret? I heard she was eating this new super berry called the Aronia Berry. Aronia what? Aronia Berries from superberries.com. They're known for having one of the highest levels of antioxidants that helps with overall wellness. Where can we get them? Go to superberries.com slash radio. And right now we get a free smoothie recipe book with our order. Plus we can save $4 at checkout. (laughs) I can't wait. I've got lots of projects I need to get done. Yes, you do. Choose health. Eat purple. Superberries.com. This is Tracy Torme, screenwriter, producer. You're listening to Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We continue. The teen ufologists grow up and become something, someone else. No, it sounds like the opening theme for the TV show Arrow. Anyway, Jerry Clark, you heard what Alan had to say about Rupelt, about Kehoe and NICAP. Some responses? Well, the McCarthy era actually ended in 1954 with the Army McCarthy hearings, and uh, the country kind of shook its way out of there, and things changed a lot. The Communist Party USA was viewed with justifiable suspicion since, at least for the early part of its history, starting in the 20s and during World War II, and just after World War II, some of the espionage was against the United States was being funneled through the CPUSA. So the McCarthy era, which was a terrible time, we can all agree, and and full of hysteria and so on, but wasn't entirely imaginary. There was actual Soviet espionage going on. Some of it was going through. There was a visible CPUSA, and there was an invisible CPUSA where there were direct dealings with Soviet intelligence officers and so on. And there's a really a vast literature on this stuff, which is a subject that's always interested me for some reason. Now, there isn't really any very good evidence that I am aware of, and I certainly looked for it when I was researching my UFO encyclopedia, that the CIA's idea that UFO groups should be infiltrated and brought to heel ever was really fulfilled. It was a recommendation that the Robertson panel made in late 1953, but if there was any action on it, it was sporadic and uncoordinated. And I think that if we take this too seriously, too literally, we may get a more sinister and conspiratorial idea of what was actually going on. 
As far as NICAP is concerned, when I was researching the encyclopedia, I had access to NICAP files, which were housed at the Kufos files in Chicago. I went through them extensively, and I have a fairly full account in my encyclopedia of how NICAP came to disintegrate. The first problem was that Kehoe was a terrible administrator. He had no administrative skills. He didn't know how to, to run a budget. And NICAP was going through periods of feast and famine. When there was a UFO wave, there was a lot of interest in UFOs. NICAP's membership would shoot up into the tens of thousands. And then when interest had receded, people wouldn't renew their subscriptions or their memberships. All of a sudden, the budget was down to practically nothing. So it was really, it was just hard to work for NICAP. Dick Hall worked there. Dick was a friend of mine. And, <laughs> and there were there were times that, you know, they, they didn't know if their paychecks were going to clear, and they weren't exactly making a fortune working there. What happened was that eventually the Board of Governors realized, particularly J.B. Hartraff, who was a, a prominent member of the board and also a, a head of the Private Pilots Association, was reading the Constitution and realized all of a sudden that if NICAP collapsed, the Board of Governors was responsible personally for paying off the organization's debts. And when Hartraff saw this, he just freaked out. And he didn't want to get stuck with a whole lot of money because the organization was going deeper and deeper into debt. So he organized the other board members and told them what was going on and demanded that Kehoe be fired because he said with some justification that Kehoe was just incompetent. He just simply could not run an organization and things were not going to get better under his administration. So Kehoe was forced out of office and they, they hired another guy. I think his name was Alan Hall, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, no relation to Dick Hall. And NICAP limped on for a few more years, but it was just kind of a story, a lot of conspiracy, but just of, of organizational problems and incompetence at the highest level. So and, uh, all these rumors and all these claims, Jerry, that maybe NICAP was a military front because Kehoe had it so heavily laden with former military, you don't think that amounted to anything? Remember that Kehoe was a career military guy who had also worked in the Pentagon. So most of his friends were generals and admirals, and, and they were also right-wingers. And so they were not only military guys, they were politically in sympathy with them. And, and Kehoe saw these guys as really the smart guys and the authorities, and he was most comfortable in the presence of uh, generals and admirals. So I don't and think there was anything particularly sinister about this. These were just the guys that Kehoe knew. Now with Ruppelt... Do you think Kehoe exaggerated his friendship with Ruppelt and the impact of having to deal with the revision to his book? I think that Kehoe genuinely believed that he was closer to Ruppelt than Ruppelt believed he was close to Kehoe. And Ruppelt, in his books, takes a lot of shots at Kehoe. You know, even in the first edition, he thinks that Kehoe exaggerated and and imagined cover-ups where they weren't going on. And Ruppelt did not believe there was a conspiracy to 
concealed UFO reports, and I think he was certainly right about that. And, of course, Kehoe was entirely focused more than on UFOs as such, more on the cover-up of UFOs. And if you read Kehoe's books, he's really more interested in bashing the Air Force than really thinking deeply and seriously about what UFO reports might represent. He considers it a kind of given that they're probably interplanetary spaceships. By interplanetary, I think he basically thought they were from Mars because in the 1950s it was still possible to believe that Mars might be inhabited. But he didn't really think very much about this in any serious way. He was focused on the cover-up and the bureaucracy of the cover-up. As Alan says quite well, that Kehoe was a pulp writer. And you go back to his books and you're reading the UFO mystery filtered through the sensibility of a pulp fiction writer. They read like pulp fiction novels, I agree with you. And then in terms of some of the cases he got... What I learned from our old friend Jim Mosley so many years ago, when he was actually going to be a co-author of a UFO book in the 50s, is that Kehoe would get these cases from Project Blue Book on the phone. He'd write them down. But Jim went over there and physically took a typewriter and copied them down. Except that when Kehoe learned of that, he had a freak out. How could you let that guy look at those cases? How dare you? So, you know, I always wonder here about Kehoe's access, but also if he's taking that stuff verbally, I could see where the notes can get a little bit, shall we say, distorted. Well, that's what Kehoe likes to sensationalize. Before we trash Kehoe too much, I mean, I think NICAP was a kind of irrelevancy for a lot of reasons, but I must take exception to some of, uh, no surprise here, to, to some of the things that Jerry is saying. I, how shall I put it, have a background in radical politics that goes back almost as long as my interest in UFOs. And I can tell you that uh, while, of course, there were spies, there were American spies in the Soviet Union, and rightly so, and there were Soviet spies here, perhaps rightly so as well. Do I sound like Trump? Oh, God, help me. Uh, They had no connection to the CPUSA, but by the mid-1950s, the Communist Party USA Uh, As someone pointed out in National Review of all places, their obituary column was the largest part of their newspaper. They were just little old ladies from the mid-50s on. While they had been a serious organization back in the 1930s, after the doctor's plot, they lost most of their Jewish membership because it became obvious that Stalin was – anti-Semitic, uh, that there were, there were a, a whole host of reasons that people left, including, I will also take exception to the notion that McCarthyism, in the broader sense of the term, ended with uh, the Army McCarthy hearings. Of course, that ended McCarthy's career, because you don't go after the military and get away with it. But um, um, the the paranoid anti-communism that, broadly speaking, is characteristic of McCarthyism, one of the key players in that was Richard Nixon. And not only did he run for president, not only was he vice president until 1960, but he became president of the United States during the Vietnam War. We've got more to come. The teen ufologists definitely grow up. We have Rick Hilberg, Helen Greenfield, Jerome Clark. Tim Beckley, guest co-host is Jay Randall Murphy, who's just sitting back. 
a fly in the wall listening. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I'm here to tell you about GCNTelecare.com, a team of board-certified doctors assisting you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Within 15 minutes of registration, care your family can afford. Revolutionizing the healthcare industry, virtual consulting, providing diagnosis of non-emergency medical issues by phone or secure video on computer or smart mobile devices. GCNTelecare.com. Virtual care anywhere. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We've got Alan Greenfield and Rick Hilberg and Jerome Clark and Tim Beckley and guest co-host Jay Randall Murphy. And before we go on, listening to what Alan said, Jerry, do you have any further comments before we move on? Yeah, I don't agree with Alan's reading history, and I think that he misunderstood something. And I said that um, the McCarthy era ended in 1954. In the 1950s, the Communist Party had been completely desiccated. Nobody's arguing about that. Richard Nixon's career is a whole other story. And Nixon makes his name as a political figure when he was a congressman from California in 1948 with the Alger Hiss case, which was an espionage case involving a guy who'd had a long career in U.S. government service and was retired from the State Department when he was accused of, in 1948 by Whitaker Chambers of being a Soviet spy, which he was. We, we now know that. That wasn't McCarthyism because that was an actual case involving actual espionage. But what the his case did was trigger 
the hysteria that made McCarthy and his allies possible. Richard Nixon's career started in the sort of milieu of anti-communism and Soviet espionage, but his career past the McCarthy era really took a different tack. I, I have read virtually every major biography of Richard Nixon that's ever been published. So I know something about Nixon, whom I do not admire, so I'm not defending. He was not a McCarthyite for his entire political career. He just got started in the anti-communist milieu. He was a member of the House Un-American Activities Committee in 1948 when the Hiss case emerged. By the latter 1950s, yes, there was still anti-communist feeling, some of it justified, some of it on the historical side, but the McCarthy era has a beginning and an end. Now, it continued, HUAC, the House Un-American Activities Committee, continued into the 1960s, and it was still possible for the for HUAC to make mischief and accuse some innocent people, and of course, that's not good, nobody defends that. But the era of intense, destructive witch hunts is really confined to, uh, at its most intense moment, to the McCarthy era. And McCarthy was censored by the U.S. Senate in 1957, by which time he had collapsed into alcoholism and was completely ineffective. After the 1954 Army McCarthy hearing, McCarthy was just kind of a ghost who haunted the halls of the Senate, and he died young, of, fairly young, of cirrhosis of the liver in 1957. Let me say that what I'm talking about is, just looked up the definition in two different things. Merriam-Webster says broadly, defamation of character or reputation through such tactics. So I was not necessarily referring just to McCarthy, but to people that use that tactics. And one other point, okay, that's very important. I don't think that you have to have been a fan of McCarthy. In fact, if you read uh, books on McCarthy, you would find that it was Nixon who stalled McCarthy while he was being censored uh, because he was uh, Eisenhower's hatchet man. That was the way of it. But be that Eisenhower, in fact, despised McCarthy. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yes, it does me. matter. It does it, matter. Jerry, go ahead, please. And we'll get back to you. And then we got to wrap this discussion. It's getting off track. Go ahead, Jerry. Okay. We, this gets off UFOs anyway, but no... McCarthy was not Eisenhower's hatchet man. That is really a gross No, Nixon was Eisenhower's hatchet man, is what I just said. It's enough, I think, for this. Let's just leave it, the politics out of it right now. Excuse me. Communist hysteria didn't end with the 50,000 Americans killed in Vietnam based on a theory that of the uh, the domino theory that all of Asia would go communist. All right, let's, Viet- I don't want to talk about the Vietnam War. I'm talking about UFOs. Let's focus on UFOs. And I just want to ask you, there is a connection which I want to ask you about here, Alan. But first, before we go to your history, the possibility here, was there early government interest in UFO believers because of a possible fear they may be infiltrated by foreign spies? Yes, that's, that's what I was told by Dewey Fournay who was intimately involved in the Air Force investigation and certainly was privy to the information from the CIA panel in 1953. Of course there was. 
that's all that I'm talking about. You can call it whatever you want, anti-communist hysteria, or if you are uh, heavily anti-communist, there is an alternative view of that. It was red baiting was a horrible thing, and it went on for a very long time. It it kind of gotten broke got broken in the um, in the uh, film industry by Kirk Douglas. Um, uh, who allowed Douglas Trumbull to use his real name because he had been labeled a communist, which he was. But there were a lot of people who were, you know, we were allied with the Soviet Union in World War II. So there were a lot of pre-war communists who came to realize sort of post facto that uh, the communists in the Soviet Union were not the sort of uh, armchair communists in, in this country. I'm going to ask you something here. I, I need to get off this. Okay. Tim, you made a comment mm-hmm. before, which was important, that the FBI did keep files. Um, oh, yeah, yes. UFO contactees such as George Adamski. Well, at George Van Tassel, I know I have a, a report here in my uh, uh, files uh, it runs about 20 pages uh, that the FBI did in investigating the uh, not so much the claims of the contactees, but their uh, political ideology. I guess they were concerned that the Space Brothers were talking about world peace and a moneyless uh, society and, and things that they considered uh, uh Communist, communism. I, I mean, that's basically why they kept tabs on the uh, the contactees. I don't think that they were uh, so concerned with them uh, meeting up with the people from other planets because obviously uh, they didn't buy that uh, for a um, for a second. Now, my own opinion on this, and I'm sure that nobody uh, will will agree, that there has been a government cover up, especially in the early days, because a lot that was going on in the skies. Uh, was because of the fact that we had bought uh, over under uh, Project Paperclip about 5,000 Nazi, and I do repeat, Nazi scientists and engineers to work on our space program. And I think that a lot of the the things that went on, including Roswell, I mean, Nick Redford talks about them as as being uh, uh, mutants of of some uh, sort. But these were the the government wanted to cover up the fact, uh, I think, that uh, they were in collusion with these uh, uh, Nazi uh, scientists and uh, engineers, including Warner von Braun. I've seen photos of him in an SS uniform. So uh, suddenly... Uh, these uh, uh, very uh, evil uh, people, which they were, were brought over here, and they became our space heroes. So I think a lot of the idea or concept that these craft were uh, interplanetary, the government would rather have you not believe in UFOs at all. But if you were going to believe in UFOs, you should certainly put them as far away as ground zero as possible and move them into uh, outer space because I don't think they wanted to be connected with some of these early experiments that were going on. Alan, what's your evidence for that? That was Tim. Jerry. Oh, that was, that was me. What's the evidence? Oh. Well, I've, I've written several books on the subject, but I don't suppose that any of you might have read any of them because most of the people in ufology just came, seem to keep <laughs> to the, their own ide- uh, ideology and, and, and thoughts and don't really want other people's uh, opinions. We got to stop here. We got a lot more to come. Okay, it's getting interesting here now. 
the interactions with Jerry Clark, Rick Hilberg, Alan Greenfield, and Tim Beckley. Our guest co-host just sitting there and watching the wheels go by is Jay Randall Murphy. You're in the Paracast. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. You haven't experienced yogurt until you've tried a Mossy, embodying health and flavor in a true whole milk, green-fed dairy beverage. Every sip pays homage to our old world cows and the ancient culturing methods their milk benefits from. With over 30 probiotics, a Mossy's undeniably nutritious, refined, cultured sensation bolsters your health and awakens your passion for dairy. A Mossy's so good, and you need to try it. Contact your Longevity distributor or call 877-878-4203 or go to GCNteam.com. Would it be okay if you had two paychecks instead of one? I'm Pharmacist Keith. Dr. Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy and myself, want to show you how to get an extra paycheck every month, creating an extra income that will last for years to come by joining Dr. Wallach's crusade, spreading his message of better health. To learn more, visit radio.recordedvideo.com. That's radio.recordedvideo.com, radio.recordedvideo.com, or call 866-257-3105 for a recorded message. This is Dan Pillett. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpillett.com. Chances are you wouldn't mind having more energy, better digestion, or more comfortable joints and muscles, right? But if you've taken supplements before without much success, be aware that most supplementation fails to address the body's number one antioxidant and detoxification system. Free radicals and toxins on a daily basis assault our bodies. Stopping the inflammation they create and to successfully detoxify requires great quantities of the body's primary antioxidant, glutathione. To successfully turn on whole body glutathione production and cleanse all 37.2 trillion cells requires large amounts of the peptide cysteine, which can only come from food and a little help from our frequency encoding science. You cannot buy cysteine in a pill. Nature's richest source of cysteine is raw whey protein powder. One World Whey is the only frequency encoded, energetically enhanced raw whey derived from Amish Ray's grass-fed cows. Try it and you just might like how much better you may feel. Please call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorldWay.com. 
If there's a toxic chemical biological gas smoke emergency while traveling at home or on your job, are you protected? Are you prepared? There are over 400,000 fires in the USA every year. Up to 85% of all deaths in a fire are due to smoke inhalation. Three minutes without air and we as humans will die. Be prepared and escape safely with our Safe Escape Smoke Hoods, giving you up to 60 minutes of breathable air protection. Order yours online at ase-safety.com. That's ase-safety.com. And get up to 40% off plus free shipping. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Anyway, teen ufology strikes back some spirited debates, especially involving Jerry Clark and Alan Greenfield. A little participation from Tim Beckley. We also have Rick Hilberg. Our guest co-host is Jay Randall Murphy. Chris O'Brien would have loved to have been here for this one. Also, what's going to happen is we have another radio show we want you to listen to. It's called After the Paracast. And it's unpredictable. We never know what's going to happen next on that show. And you can only hear it if you join the Paracast Plus at plus.theparacast.com. Plus.theparacast.com. We give you the commercial-free version of this show. And other goodies, plus.theparacast.com. So we have a little interaction there towards the end with Tim Beckley and Jerry Clark. Well, you talk about the uh, evidence. Well, first of all, if you remember a lot of the early uh, UFO uh, cases... First of all, the beings on board the ship were very Aryan uh, in appearance, or said to be uh, so, right? There was a connection between some of the early UFO contactees and the uh, Nazi uh, or neo-Nazi uh, movement. Some of the people who uh, had uh, contact or reported a meeting with these uh, beings said the pilots of the UFOs or the occupants often spoke with a, uh, a German accent or even conversed amongst themselves in German. So I don't know. I, I think it's just uh, the uh, the government brought all these scientists over. Why did they bring them over? It was for a particular reason, because the, the Germans were working on their own circular uh, devices towards the end of the war. Now, there is some speculation, and it's open to conjecture, of course, whether this information had been received by them through uh, occult or channeling methods. Uh, if you check the history of the Vril Society, going back even to 1920, they were holding channeling sessions and supposedly receiving information on how to construct a variety of disc-shaped crafts. I think some of these were actually developed in the latter part of the uh, the Second World War, and the government was would rather have you believe, if you're going to believe in UFOs, that they were extraterrestrial. There is really little evidence that these craft are extraterrestrial. If you get into uh, the subject uh, for 50 years like I have, there's either very little going on to prove that these things are off-planet. If you take all the evidence at hand, it shows that uh, the objects, uh, or at least a lot of the experiences that people are having, are very paranormal in, in nature and have nothing to do with physical beings from uh, you know some other star system. Jerry, you want to respond? Yeah. Tim, I'm aware of everything you're saying, and, and virtually everything you're saying is, is either true or at least arguable. But I don't understand how you connect these things. When you're trying to reconstruct history, you have to have bridges between well, things. Well, Jerry, I know history of UFOs just as well as you no, do. I'm, talk- I'm not talking about the history of UFOs. I'm talking about history, just history generally. 
what exactly did I say that uh, is not part of history? Did we not bring over uh, all these Nazi uh, and no, German? Exactly. So how do you connect these things? I don't see any connections. Well, I see well, first a bunch of, all, of where, where, where declarative sentences. Where were the major? But I UFOs? don't see the connections that you that well, you have to draw. You maybe you don't. Them. Maybe you don't want to see the connection. Let's go back okay. and forth. Let Jerry finish, hey. then Tim can talk. Let's keep it calm, Jerry. The prehistory of ufology goes like this: there was speculation about extraterrestrial visitation in the 19th century. In fact, I've written about it fairly extensively, showing where people believe that there was evidence that people were coming from Mars or it was possible to have psychic contact with Martians, channel their messages, or even visit their out-of-body state. There were also claims that there were physical devices that had come from another planet and landed on Earth. These stories are all over the 19th century. Charles Fort picks them up. Charles Fort is the first ufologist. Does that make them literally true? Look, I'm not arguing for or against the extraterrestrial hypothesis. I have, that's a whole other conversation, which I don't think you understand my views about. But I'm just giving you the history, the prehistory of UFOs. The guy who puts the extraterrestrial hypothesis and argues it in, in his first three books is Charles Ford. If you look at the newspaper coverage in the summer of 1947, People were not talking about extraterrestrial UFOs. They just weren't thinking like that. When extraterrestrial UFOs start getting mentioned here and there in the early press coverage, it's almost always from members of the Fordian Society who say there was this guy who wrote about flying saucers before there were flying saucers. This also affected the Air Force guys who also became aware of Fort and read Fort. In fact, Fort is mentioned in some of the early Project Sign documents. It was Charles Fort's thinking that gave these people this idea that maybe these aren't secret naval aircraft or secret Soviet aircraft because they have this prehistory that goes way back in decades, maybe centuries. And so even the early Air Force guys who begin to think in terms of interplanetary UFOs are basing their ideas on what they read in Fort or heard from people who had read Fort. There wasn't any kind of sinister conspiracy. Well, but that's your opinion, Jerry. It seemed like a logical conclusion that this is what, that if they weren't from the Soviet Union or they weren't from some other branch of the U.S. service, they had to be interplanetary. There wasn't any kind of sinister machination going on. The Air Force really didn't like that kind of thinking and quashed it quite early on in the history of the UFO projects. In fact, Project Sign was effectively ended when its personnel suggested that UFOs were interplanetary. What the Air Force wanted people to believe was that there was nothing going on except hoaxes and mistakes. Well, the Air Force might have wanted you to believe that, but if you were going to believe in UFOs, they wanted you to believe that uh, it was something from uh, outer space. There's no doubt about that whatsoever. And you talk about proof or evidence. Now, when these these Germans were brought over uh, after the war, where were they planted? They were all planted in the, the southwest. Is that correct? Like uh, around New Mexico? Where were the earliest UFO sightings that took place? New Mexico, Arizona, Texas? Actually in the north, in northwest. 
Arnold. Oh, Kenneth Arnold. Arnold. Yeah, yeah, but no, but uh, the, the, Amos Smith, Captain Amos Smith. Those the, yeah, but a, the a lot, a lot of them were in the yeah. Northwest. Then there were sightings all over the country. Yeah, they were absolutely a lot of the good sightings that are very concrete took place in, in that area of the Southwest. Uh, and what is the, uh, of course, the one that uh, people point to is the Roswell incident. Well, either nothing happened at Roswell because it certainly wasn't a mogul uh, balloon uh, or something happened there. Was it really a, a spaceship? There's very little evidence for that either. Oh, I agree with that. It points more and more, at least uh, the work that I've done and investigation that I've done, that uh, a lot of these crafts were built right here on Earth. Now, whether they ori- the ideas originated from somewhere outside this planet, there's a good possibility of that, too. Well, yes, they could be from various places. They don't just have to be from, uh, you know, one place. When we talk about a UFO, we talk about an unidentified object. Spirited discussion unexpectedly with Alan Greenfield, Tim Beckley, and Jerome Clark. Rick Hilberg is just being a gentleman. Our guest co-host is Jay Randall Murphy. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Fully cooked, ready-to-eat bacon. I'm talking thick, meaty, center-cut, presidential bacon. Savory and delicious. I buy some, I use some, I store some. Awesome. No refrigeration needed with a 10-year shelf life. NASA Pack technology. Bacon. Fully cooked, fully hydrated, ready-to-eat right from the pack bacon. Or warm and served. Life-saving, ready-to-eat bacon. 10-year shelf life bacon. Ships free at FullyCookedBacon.com. FullyCookedBacon.com. Are you looking to become more self-sufficient? Then you need to have your own energy source. The Solark EMP hardened generator is automatic, maintenance-free, and reduces your monthly electric bill. You can also take it off-grid when you go camping. Contact PortableSolarLLC.com or call for details at 972-575-8875 today. Portable Solar LLC gives you everything you need to start using solar energy in less than one hour. Solark EMP hardened solar generator energy insurance. For your family or business, call Portable Solar LLC today. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow, and like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat, I would flip-flop all night long, I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed, it's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. Investing is a long-term process. How many times can you think of in the last decade that the stock market has destroyed retirement funds for people just like you and me? For your existing IRA, you need the security that gold has provided for centuries. Remember, gold has never been worth zero. Capital Gold would like to introduce you to the Home Storage Gold IRA. 
It's a self-directed IRA set up with all the protection and tax benefits of an LLC. But the big difference in this IRA is you invest in gold and you hold it in your possession. You can't do that with stocks. That's security. You can transfer any type of IRA hassle-free in days. Please call right now and learn more, and we'll waive the $500 setup fee and give you a free safe to store your gold. 800-535-7789. 800-535-7789. 800-535-7789. That's 800-535-7789. Heart disease is on the rise. Clogged arteries, high blood pressure, and high cholesterol levels may not be fully detected by you, but the symptoms are there. Loss of energy, blood sugar spikes and drops, poor circulation, and irregular heartbeat are just a few of these that can alert you that something is wrong. Hear how heart and body extract is making a difference in thousands of people's lives across America. My blood pressure has normalized. My diabetes has totally improved. Everyone is telling me now how much healthier I look, and I'm everyone how much healthier I feel. I recommend heart and body extract to everyone. Anybody over 40 in the North American continent should be using this product as a preventative to keep their cardiovascular system healthy. Order your two-month supply today by calling 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. Or order online, hbextract.com. Heart and body extract, 866-295-5305. Or hbextract.com. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. May I say something, please? You may say something, please, Alan Greenfield. (laughs) No, don't be so polite as to ask. Alan is never polite when he doesn't want to be. (laughs) Just step right in there. I I try. I mean, the last time that I saw uh, Jerry in the flesh we had somewhat acrimonious debate at a talk that I gave in a side room unadvertised at the uh, Fate Magazine UFO convention. So I wanted to say something nice about Jerry. I have been saving it in the program, and that will segue fairly well to how I got into ufology, although ufology is part of a much broader, I consider it part of the paranormal universe. But in any case, the nice thing about Jerry, uh, what was referred to earlier as you know, corresponding by tape, actually the National UFO Conference, which ran 50 years, started off as a tape conversation between Rick and Bob Miller, was it, Rick? No, actually, it was between you and I, Alan, back about 1963, because we responded. Yeah, but there was a third person in Ohio that was on it. But in any case, that's not not the substance. I just wanted to mention that in passing. It was called tape spondence, where uh, um, yeah. in science fiction circles, it was called round robins, where you you know would send yeah. it on and send it on and send it on. Jerry was involved in one of those, and he said one of those things that really, really stuck with me. This was after like two years of Jim Mosley calling me, and this was in the days when long-distance calls were um, expensive. And we would talk pretty much all night long, and mostly for from 1966 on, he was just, you've got to meet this guy, John Keel. You've got to meet this guy, John Keel. And uh, during our annual uh, New York 
festivities in the Hilton Hotel of where we uh, got together and didn't have to get out into the crowd. <laughs> Mosley brought Keel, and then I invited Keel to come down to Atlanta to speak to our group here, which my father paid for. And uh, anyway, I was... He was a very knowledgeable person, but he was extremely peculiar. And I remember that on one of our tape spondence things, Jerry switched voices from that, the, what you're hearing now, the uh, I know it uh, sort of tone to mysterious, sort of like Keel. And he said, if there's anybody in ufology who's one of them, it's Keel. And I thought, bingo, yep, he's one of the strangest human beings I have ever run across. For one thing, he didn't like to eat. And for someone like me, that's, you know, practically uh, a chassid uh, eating pork. It's just not something that you do. Why is this wrapped around my chair? It doesn't matter. The point being that that, that comment I thought was spot on. Uh, I don't believe that Keel was an alien, but I think he was the closest thing amongst us to to that. Of course, we do have the complication that uh, God rest their souls, Jim and Gray probably are responsible for a number of the alls that we that we see in the movie, The Mothman Prophecies, but. Uh, uh, because they like to do that. They did it to me. They did it to lots of people, but um, which I've never held against them. But Keel uh, ate it up. However, a lot of genuine stuff, and Keel is responsible for a lot of important insights, but he was a very, very strange duck. I wrote a piece about uh, Keel when the Operation Trojan Horse was republished a couple of years ago. I had a piece in Fortean Times on the subject. And I quoted a woman's description, which Keel quotes, of her interaction with ultra-terrestrials. And I point out that the description of ultra-terrestrials and their personalities sounded exactly like Keel. It was like this woman was describing Keel himself. Yeah. Now, I certainly don't believe that Keel was an ultra-terrestrial or I. an alien. But nonetheless, what Alan says, I... Yeah, I, I completely agree with him. I think he was a very strange guy. Well, actually, I'm agreeing with you. I'm just remembering that tape spondence. That was one of those magic moments, which, speaking <laughs> of magic moments, you want to hear how I got into ufology, right, Gene? Right, right, right? Let's do it By quickly way, do because we have to get into 2,000 other topics before we go. 2,000. Okay, well, I've got the time. Have you got the beer? Uh, by the way, I do read Beckley's books the ones he sends yeah. me for free, but I read them all. I read them all cover to cover. Even and when They are very well worth reading. Yes, they are. Mm -hmm. They are absolutely worth reading. And uh, interesting and wild and very close to the Gray Barker uh, type of thing that, that I knew and loved and miss very much. Um, I think I have genetic ufology in my bloodstream because, you know, you only remember from early childhood – things that sort of, so to speak, perk up your ears. And my family went to Miami every year for the month of July. My father was big on doing that. He'd uh, stay for a week, 
come back to Augusta in those days and, and work for two weeks and then come back and spend another week in Miami. So every July I spent in Miami. And at one point in July of 1952, the only reason I know is retrofitting it because he said, wow, flying saucers flew over the uh, restricted airspace in Washington, D.C., and I perked up like that. I mean, this is, you know, I was, what, five years old, maybe six, maybe. Uh, it was just, why would I even care? You know, there are many other things that my folks would discuss that, that might have uh, been. Th but from that point on, I was, you know, following the story, the ongoing development of this sort of thing. And then in 1960, for reasons that I can't really remember, I joined NICAP, and uh, at that time they had something called associate member, and I took it literally because I was a kid. And then uh, I started reading Ray Palmer's Flying Saucers, and I don't believe the teen ufology movement, to the extent that it was a movement, could have existed without uh, that section devoted to free publicity absolutely for you got it yeah so that's right. how i met tim that's how i met gene that's uh, how i met most of the people many of which left ufology but uh, you know that were involved at that point and a few of us are still involved and will be no doubt 10 years from now pushing it god willing Amen. inshallah all right I want to move to some things here because we're well past half of the show. We had a debate about the early days of ufology and the impact, Kehoe, Rupelt, government interest in UFOs, communism, and everything else. And I wanted to look at what people thought about it because we all grew up with the same thought because it was influenced by Major Kehoe. It was influenced by... Captain Rupelt, even if he tried to run away from it for those final three chapters under discussion, that was that UFOs were visitors from other planets. Of course, in the 50s, we were talking about Mars. At some point, though, I think we started moving in other directions. And I'm going to ask Alan to be brief about this, which our listeners know from listening to him on past episodes, is almost an impossibility. But I'm going to ask Alan Greenfield to be brief where he started looking at UFOs as something more than spaceships, something other than spaceships, something more involved. And I'm going to look at the evolution of the viewpoints from the rest of our panel. And therefore, I'm going to give Alan the opportunity to say the Powercast. So we have our special teen ufologist episode. And you can see here where we get these guys together in one room, even virtually. The discussion can take many twists and turns. Alan Greenfield, Jerry Clark, Rick Hilberg, Tim Beckley, J. Randall Murphy, who has been the fly on the wall to kind of keep things settled down. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. 
Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and sling bows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. If you had purchased $100 of Bitcoin in 2010, today you'd have $2,600,000. While that sinks in, you now have a huge cryptocurrency opportunity at below market price at a guaranteed 10 cents per coin. ProCoin, a coin publicly traded on the open market, easily converted to cash, available in 60 countries, and ProCoin is the only cryptocurrency offering coin back rewards for consumers and merchants. Take action by August 31st at ProCoinCurrency.net. That's ProCoinCurrency.net. Deadline for 10 cent guarantee is August 31st. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation. Analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. Welcome aboard. Your new science fiction adventure is ready to launch. Discover an amazing journey at galaxyquestbooks.com. Start a new sci-fi adventure with the Guardian series, a classic sci-fi mystery that starts 500 years in the future. From author D. Arthur Gussner. Series available from Barnes & Noble or Amazon as paperback or ebooks. galaxyquestbooks.com, where the adventure begins.
Robert Hastings, author of UFOs and Nukes, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Okay. Now, I think when I started looking at other possibilities for UFOs is when you and I, Alan Greenfield, had that long discussion at a hotel room in Midtown in the 1960s. Alan? It was at the Hilton, because we always stayed at the Hilton. I'm going to reveal something about that. My parents were always in the next room. <laughs> I, I never went to New York in the 60s if my parents didn't go along. But I, I had the liberal upbringing, and they, they basically used it as an excuse to do New York. And uh, I did New York in the fashion that I did it. Anyway, yes, we had a discussion, and I think – Having spent at that point six years in ufology and chasing after the notion of uh, spaceships from another planet, first it was Mars, then it was some other solar system, I have even heard the sort of truly ignorant from other galaxies. Do, Do these people actually understand the distances between galaxies? Anyway, so... Uh, We'll leave that to the late Carl Sagan floating above us even now in one sense or another. Uh, We concluded that there had to be another way to look at this. And I said, well, I didn't know anything about quantum physics at that point because I was just out of high school and had just started any kind of higher education. I, I said, Maybe there are other dimensions. And the the next year, I started a thing called Alternate Horizons Newsletter, which had like a two-year run. I like all the newsletters that, you, as you pointed out, it was strictly, you know, it reached uh, 200 people maybe at its peak, and you had to staple it and fold it. Of course, I didn't do my own printing. It got done at my father's office at night, (laughs) but it sort of set the tone that I uh, used later in a thing called the para-ufologist, which had a long run, although they were it was infrequent, and sort of the last of the UFO zines that I did, to discuss things in terms other than the nuts and bolts approach. I, I used a couple of uh, mostly reasons not to associate UFOs with outer space because they're not seen pretty much in outer space. They're seen here. I would say that they've always been seen here. Uh, Some version of mysterious things in the sky, mysterious uh, sightings of, well, we'll just say beings, and that covers a whole variety of things. As long as the human beings have been recording history or scratching uh, pictures on, on walls in what I like to call paleo-ufology, because I hate the term ancient aliens for a large variety of reasons, including my appearance on the program. By the way, I met Von Braun once, which was, for a Jewish guy, <laughs> difficult, because I knew his background. But be that as it may, I think that the evidence for being from some other world meaning another planet, was never there. There was no reason. They weren't seen coming from point A somewhere out there to point B here. They were seen here. And there's an interesting psychological question there if you don't assume that it was something that was 
planted or or I think it was hyped, but I don't think it was planted that why would people go for that particular solution? Um, I understand that I read the Book of the Damned about Charles Fort uh, way, way back when I was a teenager, but uh, Fort was very clear that he was kidding around and he would document real events and then he would make up something that was meant to be funny, tongue-in-cheek about what accounts for frogs falling out of the sky or whatever. And uh, it, uh, if you read it, it's uh, it, it's clearly satire. And uh, I don't know, never having really been a, a member of any Fortean group, I spoke to one of the Fortean groups in D.C. the week that Richard Nixon resigned. I remember that very well, but because um, it was in D.C. Um, but if, if Fortians took Fort literally on those theories, that's beyond me. On the other hand, Borderland Sciences was talking about visitations from otherwhere uh, as early as 1945, if I'm not mistaken. And Mead Lane, who was the founding head of that uh, long-running organization, still around, was both an occult initiate, which is something that I have an interest in, and uh, more than an interest, actually, and uh, what you might today call a ufologist. Uh, um, and uh, I, I think that there probably have been speculations of that sort um, going back to the, the dawn of history or prehistory. Um, we even have, what is that line in Cyrano de Bergerac, where when in doubt, he jumps up and down and says, I've just landed from the moon. I am a moon person. Um, you know, that the, the idea has is sort of uh, perennial, but it isn't based on any observations whatsoever. So, I began to move towards, you know, uh, looking for an alternate, and then I encountered the many worlds interpretation of quantum mechanics, and that became my touchstone for those people who read my daily, one would say, compulsive blogging. Um, and, uh, I think that that probably accounts not only for UFOs, but for a whole variety of things that for some reason are kept in separate pockets, which are very resistant to ever being considered together. Uh, my model for how to deal with it is uh, parapsychology. Uh, at least they try to be scientific about it. Um, I don't know that I have the correct idea on this, but I suspect I do, and I do. Uh, Rick will confirm this, I'm sure, maybe Tim as well, that when we had our 50th anniversary reunion of the people who did the um, National UFO Conference, I was surprised that there were no ETH proponents left among you know us survivors from from that period. Everybody had had moved towards some version of an alternate reality view of where they come from and how to account for a wide variety of things. Of course, the, the speaker from the local UFO group, a MUFON affiliate, if I'm not mistaken, Rick, if you correct me, he was, you know, pretty much doing uh, yield nuts and bolts ETH. And uh, yeah, he, I don't, 
he he's had some pretty wild experiences though. We've had him on our show uh, exploring the bazaar, and he's he's got some stuff that are are pretty paranormal in nature with aliens and uh, you know not just physical uh, craft from outer space. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't know the man, so yeah. Rick, Rick could speak to that better. But uh, people often, if they're involved in something like MUFON, will become nuts and bolts when they're speaking, as if there were nothing else that was respectable. And respectability is not what uh, ufology or science should ever be about. It's always, in my opinion, something that tries to venture beyond what we know now or think we know now and what might be, and then trying to find uh, evidence that confirms or disconfirms it. You know what? I want to hear from Rick Hilberg next. He hasn't had a lot of participation. Also, I want to get some comments from Randall and we'll get into the evolution of thinking from Jerry Clark. But now, Rick, we have just a few seconds left in this segment. We'll go on with the next one. Since Alan is deferring to you there, why don't you pick up on it, and then we'll make this a two-part answer. Go ahead. Well, regarding you know the nuts and bolts people and MUFON and whatnot, I think that's where we're, we're going right now. I think MUFON, as an organization, has evolved a great deal over the past few years. At one time, it was you know purely nuts and bolts, but if you look at some of these symposiums that they've you know put on in the past few years, there's all sorts of you know other things creeping in, not only paranormal subjects, but like a, I think the, the, the one of the topics at this past uh, MUFON convention was the secret space fleet. You know so what, we're going to break there because we've covered that extensively on the show. And neighbors, on this weekend's edition of After the Paracast, we'll be featuring more discussion from me, J. Randall Murphy, Alan Greenfield, and Jerome Clark. You have to be a member of the Paracast Plus to hear it. We've got Rick Hilberg. We've got Jerome Clark, Alan Greenfield, Tim Beckley, Randall Murphy. You're in. The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items. And entails t-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of t-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. If you go to store.theparacast.com, stop by and take a shopping tour. Are you one of the 15 million men who suffer from an enlarged prostate? If your life revolves around finding the closest bathroom, if you're tired of waking up many times a night to urinate, 
then you need to know about Prostate Miracle. Prostate Miracle contains beta-cytosterol, which is 3,000 times stronger than salt palmetto. To claim your $10 Patriot discount, go to ProstateMiracle.com and enter promo code PATRIOT. Or call 877-965-2140. That's 877-965-2140. If you had purchased $100 of Bitcoin in 2010, today you'd have $2,600,000. While that sinks in, you now have a huge cryptocurrency opportunity at below market price at a guaranteed $0.10 per coin. ProCoin, a coin publicly traded on the open market, easily converted to cash, available in 60 countries, and ProCoin is the only cryptocurrency offering coin-back rewards for consumers and merchants. Take action by August 31st at ProCoinCurrency.net. That's ProCoinCurrency.net. Deadline for $0.10 guarantee is August 31st. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Rick Hilberg was talking briefly about how MUFON has turned. We've covered that rather extensively. I call it the downfall of MUFON. And let's get past them. Let's pretend for a while okay. that there is no MUFON. How has your thinking about UFOs evolved over the years? Well, my thinking basically changed about the year 1970 for a lot of the same reasons that Alan's and yours probably has changed. I came to realize that UFOs go so far back into history and, and so many forms that it almost seems as if they are something that has been with us, you know, since time immemorial. They've always been a part of our environment, uh, whether they are some sort of being or who knows, you know, uh, whatever they are. Alan made a great point, you know, no one ever sees a, the mothership from Venus roaring in from outer space. They're always seen right here. That's that's the clue. And so many of the motifs that you find in classic UFO cases, fairy lore, et cetera, et cetera, all kind of dovetail together that we have some sort of paranormal activity going on here, some sort of elemental beings that maybe are sharing, you know, the, the, the earth with us. That's basically my thinking today. Randall has been very quiet, listening, learning from his elders, learning about what the old fogies have to think about UFOs and such. A couple of questions in our forum of Jerry Clark. Why don't you ask those now? Yeah, here we've got one here for Jerry, one here from William Strathman, regular contributor on the forums. And uh, he's asking Jerry if he plans on making the encyclopedia available in electronic format as an ebook. And another question. If he's considered uh, an online subscription site for the encyclopedia so that subscribers from around the world might be able to read and comment on it article by article. Well, I'm really honestly, sincerely flattered by those questions. The simple fact of the matter is that I don't own the copyright on the encyclopedia. If you look at it, it's owned by the publisher Omnigraphics, which is or was a reference publisher. Reference publishing has been completely decimated, like so many other things, by the Internet. And I'm not even sure the books are still in print. Some years ago, I was approached by a university press to have the books published in affordable trade paperback versions by this university press. And so I went to my publisher, which still, ex at least then, still existed in some skeletal form, 
I couldn't get anywhere with him. And I just couldn't get a straight answer about anything. And, and the experience was so dispiriting because I would like to have the encyclopedia available in affordable editions to anybody who's interested in them. But I just don't know what to do. I'm just, I'm afraid that I'm going to have to say that no, there are no plans like that. Although both of these suggestions are excellent ones. Just a fast question, Jerry. There is no successor company you can contact for this publisher? Omnigraphics for which my wife used to work. She used to go to the office every day. In fact, that's how we met, because she was the editor on the series. But there is a small skeletal staff, and I'm not even, they must publish something. But I even knew the people that I was dealing with, and I couldn't get a straight answer out of them. I don't think they knew what to do themselves about it. It was just a very strange and frustrating episode. Now, when does the copyright expire on this book? 75 years. Not in in my lifetime, unfortunately. Something you could do, though, Jerry, and uh, uh, you could have a website put together where you do allow people to comment on it article by article, and I believe that fair use guidelines would allow for uh, the reference to the article and some brief quotes from it, and uh, that would allow some of it to get out that way, and you could respond to it personally if you were so interested in doing something like that. You know, also, though, too, in, unless it was a straight buyout from the publisher, unless they've sent you royalty statements and royalty payments, the contract would uh, probably be null and void. I mean, I've gone through this with publishers, too. They're out of business. They're out of business. If a publisher is, uh, is deceased, for example, who's going to complain but some of these early UFO magazines that pretended to buy the rights, they're not in existence, and the publishers are out of business. So who's going to voice an objection to Yeah, it? but he no, can't I take mean, that yeah. chance. You know what, Tim? I got an idea, Tim. You're a publisher. Yes. Why don't you talk to Jerry? Maybe you contact the publisher and say, I might like to republish some of this book. Yeah. What can we work out and see what they do? And the worst yeah. they can say is no. You know, they can say no, or they can say no way unless you give us all sorts of money, but this book is not generating uh, income for them. There never was much money at UFO Publishing, and now I'm That's afraid sure. there's uh, there's less than uh, ever because everybody has become an author and a publisher with the advent of online publishing. I mean, it's just it's whittled away whatever the sizable market that the, there was. I mean, if I could tell you the number of books I was selling in the 80s, it was for this type of uh, uh, material, astronomical. And today it's far from astronomical. Jerry, let's move beyond that. Maybe Tim has some ideas for you, because I'd love to see something happen here and not just have a moribund publisher kind of lock you up. How is your thinking about UFOs, Jerry Clark, morphed and or changed over the years? Well, as I've been listening to these interesting accounts of people's evolving ideas about UFOs, and I've been thinking about how am I going to express mine succinctly. So this is as succinctly as I can get. I'm not going to go into the history. I'm just going to say that some about sometime in the about 10, 15 years ago, it came to me that we're dealing with two things. We're dealing with event anomalies and experience anomalies. And event anomalies are things that are potentially verifiable in the world that seem to operate according to conventional laws of physics and are are solvable. They're unexplained but not inexplicable. Experience anomalies are the high strangeness phenomena that people 
report, but don't seem to exist outside people's experiences of them. Now, these are extraordinarily anomalous experiences. They're not hallucinations. They're not, you can't put them in any kind of conventional category. But their genesis is quite complicated, having to do with human consciousness, ideas from the culture, traditions of the supernatural. And the problem is, I think, that we conflate event anomalies with experience anomalies. And, and sometimes the two phenomena may look alike and have a, a surface similarity, but are actually phenomenologically very, very different. In the last 10, 20 years, my interest has been almost entirely focused on experience anomalies, and I've written extensively on them. Most of my writing these days appears in Fortean Times, and I have a feature article coming out before the year is out in Fortean Times called Wilson Experience Anomaly, which is a case history of an experience anomaly. I lectured on experience anomalies to the Society for Scientific Exploration in uh, 2008 when I won the um, Tim Dinsdale Award for Scholarship in Anomalies, and that's really what I'm interested in now. I'm I'm interested in just how anomalies are experienced, not so much in how they're verified, because I think that event anomalies are actually probably the smallest part of the picture. And experience anomalies are simply so far beyond current knowledge that all we can talk about is how they happen, how they perceive, what the mechanics of them are, without, go without having any idea about what generates them, what, what's behind them. We just know how they're experienced, and they go all the way from fairy lore encounters with divine beings, UFO abductions. There's just a whole range of things that appear in, that are experienced in different kinds of cultural contexts, but all are experienced vividly. They're, they're, people are not mistaking what's happening to them. It's really happening to them. But what they think is happening to them may not be what is really happening to them. And we're dealing with something that really, as I say, is just simply so far beyond current knowledge, it's very difficult to talk about more specifically. we got more to come. Jerome Clark, Rick Hilberg, Alan Greenfield, Tim Beckley with J. Randall Murphy. You're in The Paracast. <laughs> Neighbors, I want to tell you about my favorite graphics app. It's the award-winning Graphic Converter. You know, Graphic Converter is the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top-flight image editing app with tons of features. And most important, it's easy to use. It's also far less expensive than that other app that you can only get by subscription. You know, the one I'm talking about. What's more, you can get 20% off with your order right now. So write this down to learn about Graphic Converter. Go to www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Let me spell that www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? 
Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. Looking for that edge during those intimate moments? We see many ads for enhancement, but the side effects include death. At GCN Team, we should change the Healthy Body Brain and Heart Pack to the Healthy Libido Pack. The brain and heart are not the only organs that require a healthy vascular system. For proper blood flow at the right moment, go to GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. It's about time something new came along for better selling and buying online. And I found it. What now, Marge? It's buysellmakeoffer.com. Never heard of it. It's a brand new company. That's why you've never heard of it. It's the newest and best way to sell any products online. I did all the research. Sell my car? Yes. Our home? Yep. My golf bag? Your golf clubs. All of them. How about your purse collection hoard? Hey, now. You said any product. Right. I did. Hmm. We get 30 days free. And membership is only $9.95. Yep. And buysellmakeoffer.com will never charge item fees ever. Mm. Never. And this is cool. Listen to this. You can even use Skype or video to show your items. That's cool. Yes. All we have to do is go to the website, sign up, and then load our stuff to sell. I love this site. Buysellmakeoffer.com. Buysellmakeoffer.com. You got it? Buysellmakeoffer.com. Buy, sell, makeoffer.com. Better selling, better buying. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX that's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Speaking of experiencers, just happened to have here a book that we're going to talk about probably next week from Anomalous Books. It's called No Return, The Jerry Irwin Story, UFO Abduction or Covert Operation, and it talks about a case back in the late 1950s that may have similarities to what happened to Betty and Barney Hill, only it happened a little bit earlier. So that's interesting. That's about experiences, and we'll look at that. Interesting how our viewpoints have changed. And Tim, we kind of know where you stand, but just quickly, Randall, 
you are less of an outright nuts and boltser now than you used to be. That really depends on how you look at the question in the first place. And I think that ufology and ufologists in general don't have a united view of what actually the word UFO means, what ufology is, and how it should be approached in a logical manner, perhaps with the exception of uh, Jerome, who uh, has done a fantastic job, in my opinion, most of the time. I couldn't have said it better myself when you said uh, what they think is happening may not be what is actually happening. While I have uh, the the mic here, before I go on with any of my own, I really would like to We're going to, to grab the mic question. from him using the hook. The hook's ready to run his neck. Go ahead, please. Let the, because we've got another question in the forum here from uh, one of our, our uh, regular posters, Ronaway, who's, uh, as Chris likes to point out when he's on, has more likes than posts. And this is kind of a question for everybody here. Do you have any ideas on how to engage the next generation of investigators to inspire young people or younger people, the next generation, to get involved and uh, we asked that of a, a lot of guests, but this is a chance to ask all you guys together while you're all here and get a response from everyone. I think there won't be a next generation of ufologists per se. I think that the best strategy would be to make it uh, or uh, solicit making it a branch of paranormal research. Now, granted, paranormal research is... I'm talking about serious academic research, overextended as it is. Nevertheless, I would recommend approaching, for example, the University of Virginia, which has done marvelous work with a lot of paranormal things. Uh, Dean Radden is also uh, someone that I would approach. I think that it should be treated as a paranormal phenomenon. By the way, I don't disagree with Jerry on not knowing the ultimate answer. I'm speculating that it may involve quantum phenomena, but the experience has its own numinosity and is its own numinosity. And that is true of all paranormal things, uh, near-death experiences. What are we okay, to make we're of getting those? off track there. We, we, no, it's not off track at all. Near-death experiences and UFO experiences have an identical underlying similarity in that they are numinous experiences that the bottom line on them is not uh, accessible to us. You what can, does that have to do with getting young people involved in the next generation of ufology? That's the question. So let's. Yes, I answered that. Okay, let's move I on to the next needs, guest. Okay. Who else can step in there? I, I've always uh, wondered actually. Why, you know, there seems to be some evangelistic attitude among those in, in UFOs that we've got to pass this uh, on. You know, in, in most cases, now in, not in, in all the cases, but it seems that the most people who get involved in this are those that have some sort uh, of experience. You know, I can come to your house, uh, let's say that I'm a, a member of some, uh, you know, religious uh, uh, group, and I can knock on your door and, and, uh, and try to convert you to my uh, way of uh, uh, belief, my belief system, but you're probably going to end up slamming the door in my face. And I think it's the same way with U UFOs. I don't see any re reason really 
people that are that are interested in this and have an experience will gravitate to it uh, gravitate to this by themselves i don't think that there's anything really that you could do to pop up uh, that uh, uh, you know interest it could be that they still read a book maybe they watch an episode of uh, ancient aliens or it, it could be that some sighting above their house just like uh, uh, mine at the age of 10 uh, got me involved in this i i don't know whether it this is something that you can pass down to another uh, uh, generation they they will find it if that's their calling in life that, that's a really interesting answer so you're saying well maybe we shouldn't really focus on that as much as just let it evolve organically with the next generation and see what comes of it interesting yeah, response yeah yeah well i i don't i don't you know how can you give this to to somebody if they're not interested in it, it it's it, you can't push it down their, their their throat. And academia, for example, has little interest in it, so they're not going to learn about it in school. In fact, if, uh, if anything, we're now told, uh, uh, you know, that the teachers shouldn't uh, accept even, uh, you know, book reports and things along that line if they deal with any of these uh, subjects. Thank you, James, Randy, and other skeptics. Okay, how about uh, next guest who hasn't... Uh weighed in on this one yet. Rick Hilberg. Well, this is Rick. Uh, my, my feeling on the whole thing is that I, it, it's true that people drift in and out of the UFO field, whatever we want to call it, ufology, whatever. Most people get into it and they take a nuts and bolts approach at first. They try to gather evidence. They try to do this. They try to do that. They, and they find out that they're not getting any answers. They're not finding the, the, what the UFOs actually are. I know we all started out back in the 60s. Hell, in, in the club news section, your organization, my organization, we all wanted to get to, to, to the yeah. bottom of this. We wanted to solve the UFO mystery. Well, it's unsolvable. It's yeah. a very personal very personal thing, and I think we all have to get involved with it and evolve with it. And I think people who spend too much time on the nuts and bolts approach are doomed to failure, and they're they're going to drop out. It, it, it's a very personal, almost spiritual experience. Well, that is a fault of MUFON. Let's go on past MUFON. Jerry Clark, your observation. Well, I think one thing we need to do, and, and not we here, because we're victims of history like everybody else, but we grew up with the UFO phenomenon, and we went through all the various crazes and, and phases and so on and looked at it from this direction, that direction. That That's inevitable and that's healthy. But I think that as I listen to a lot of the conversation, I just feel like we're still stuck in old feuds and old dichotomies, old old debates. I don't know that the next generation, whichever, whoever it is, um, will be stuck in that. I think that they're going to come and they're not going to worry about nuts and bolts or, or psychic phenomena, those things. I think they're going to take a fresh look at it and just look at the evidence. I think that one lamentable thing that happened to our generation and and I don't, don't, don't blame anybody because it's really inevitable. And that is the kind of binary thinking that, that nuts and bolts versus high strangeness cases. You know, I think that we just need to understand that UFOs may be more than one thing. Let's continue on that theory, Jerry, in our next segment. Jerome Clark, Rick Hilberg, Tim Beckley, Alan Greenfield, J. Randall Murphy. You're in the Paracast.
You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Kiss your credit card debt goodbye. I'm Pharmacist Keith, Dr. Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy, and myself want to show you how to achieve financial peace, creating an extra income that will last for years to come by joining Dr. Wallach's crusade, spreading his message of better health. To learn more, visit radio.recordedvideo.com. That's radio.recordedvideo.com, radio.recordedvideo.com, or call 866-257-3105 for a recorded message. Did you know children are 52 times more likely to suffer from identity theft than adults? Credit alerts will not fix the fallout. Liberty ID does. And here's an exciting offer just for you. Go to LibertyID.com and cover your entire family, your spouse, your children, and your parents for only $129 a year. Use promo code FREETRIAL and we'll give you the first 60 days free. That's LibertyID.com, promo code FREETRIAL. LibertyID.com. LibertyID.com. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. Attention business owners and independent contractors. This is a money-saving message from Tax Mediation Services. If your business owes $20,000 or more in taxes, we can help you today, right now. Listen, dealing with the IRS is no picnic. It's an intimidating and extremely stressful process, and you don't want to go it alone. Our attorneys know every law, every tax break, and every possible opportunity to help you resolve and reduce your tax debt. And if you owe more than $20,000, you may be at the top of their hit list. So don't take your tax debt lightly because it will not go away on its own. The IRS can seize your bank accounts, your home, and even shut down your business. Call our tax experts today at 1-800-765-9681 and let us deal with the IRS while you focus on your business. That's 1-800-765-9681. Again, that's 800-765-9681. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. 
Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2979-855-700-2979-855-700-2979. That's 855-700-2979. Hi, this is Joshua P. Warren, author of The Poor Man's Paranormal, and you're listening to The Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So the question was, of course, getting young people interested in this, and Jerry Clark talking about binary thinking, either or. That sort of thing. Let's continue with that, Jerry. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, where the exit trust hypothesis is concerned, which I continue to be open-minded about, it just doesn't interest me as much as it used to, but that doesn't mean it's invalid. If you're going to look for exit trust or visitors, you're going to look at the old-fashioned hard evidence cases, the radar visuals, the CE2s, and so on. That's where the evidence is, if it's there. But... The other cases which actually interest me more are the high strangeness cases, the experience anomalies, where something is vividly experienced and survives only in perception, memory, and testimony, but nowhere else. If you're going to look for extraterrestrial UFOs in high strangeness cases, in which I include, by the way, UFO abduction stories, you're not going to find evidence of extraterrestrial visitation. You have to look elsewhere. And this is the dichotomy between event anomalies and experience anomalies. We have to decide where we're going to look because when you're dealing with anomalies generally, there's all kinds of ways to enter into the room. There are all kinds of doors into the room. You just have to remember that there are many doors. There's not just necessarily one door. That these things happen or don't happen or are experienced in all kinds of ways. We really need to be Fordians, not dogmatists, about what is or is not happening. I think that the young, the next generation that comes along, and I presume there will be a next generation, from time to time I hear from intelligent, thoughtful young people, when that gives me hope that there is a next generation, they'll have a chance to look at this thing, learn from what we learned, what we passed on, but also from our own blindnesses and mistakes that we were oblivious to. I always tell my kids, you know, if I can't do anything else for you, I can serve as a bad example. In a sense, maybe we can serve as bad examples to the next generation. Most kids have already agreed that their parents are bad examples. (laughs) I won't refer to my son Grayson. I think he's kind of mixed about that. We've done work together. We've written books together. But on the other hand, he has his own life and his own thing that he does. May I ask Jerry a question? Yes, we can allow that. We have to, of course, get a vote. Now go ask the question. Take the vote. Jerry, okay. You know, I don't disagree with what you're saying, although it's still somewhat binary, you know. But uh, if you met one of these, and I haven't met a lot of them among the millennials, uh, one of these is young people who aspires to deal with the high strangeness cases. And they're about to start their college education. 
What subjects would you recommend to them as prerequisites to delving into into the phenomena? Well, if they're dealing with ex- their interests in what I call experience anomalies, the high strangers phenomena, I'd, I'd suggest uh, psychology, history, culture studies, folklore. I agree completely. So do interesting. I. Hey, this wow. is very I interesting that we have Alan Greenfield and Jerome Clark agreeing on something. Yeah. <laughs> I think that eventually what we've been doing collectively and what the people are doing now and will do in the future, someday in the future, when we're all dead and buried and gone, I think that the UFO topic will be of more interest to behavioral sciences than the physical sciences. And that's the bottom line. And that's, I think that, I think that's good. I think that's where we should, you know, Jerry said, yeah, take psychology, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, that's, that's, that's going to be it. That's how we're going to understand what's been going on. Well, I don't mean it in a debunking sense. I mean, I, I, I. yeah. And I also think that there are, are the CE2s and hard evidence cases that if someone was interested in those, that person should study physics and chemistry and astronomy. Those are the tools of which you would approach that. But the kinds of things that interest me, and I think the rest of us here, we're, I think we're mostly interested in the high strangers. I think that these things are filtered through culture and history, and um, and that's we have to have a firm understanding of those things just to understand the kind of mental processing that that creates these, or at least gives form to these experiences. Well, you know, one of the problems here is is that we don't have any really good, at least as far as I know, substantial uh, cases like we did back in the, uh, you know, years ago. Most of the things that we hear about uh, are of the high strangeness uh, uh, situation. So we're, we're just not uh, presented with a, uh, really good hardcore cases to um, – uh, investigate. Now, Let I, me ask I, I you something before down. we go on, before you continue with that premise, yeah. Tim. We've had Chris Rutkowski on, the Canadian UFO researcher. And every yeah. year there's a bunch of sightings, and some are pretty interesting. And we have that certain UFO organization whose name will go unmentioned that claims to receive a consistent number of sightings. So is it the well, number Peter, of sightings, Tim? Is yeah. it the number of sightings or simply the extent to which they offer the extra details? Well, I think, yes, the, cal- the caliber of the sighting is what I would be uh, referring to. I mean, certainly there are reports. Uh, Peter Davenport probably does, uh, as far as I'm concerned, the best job of all of uh, maintaining a database uh, on, uh, on this. But uh, you, you certainly don't have the media uh, bringing this to the attention of the uh, of the public or to uh, researchers. So uh, e- even if there is a good case, uh, by time it gets any attention uh, at all. I mean, I, I tend not to accept anything that I uh, that I see on the internet because uh, most of it is very anonymous, and you have really no way of checking it out. In the old days, you know, there was that newspaper clipping uh, in front of you. We probably probably all at one time or another subscribed to a news clipping uh, service and. Uh, uh, lo and behold, there were uh, you know there were witnesses in in uh, specific places, and you could call them on the telephone, and you could get additional uh, uh, data. In fact, that's probably how I went uh, from uh, nuts and bolts to uh, to high strangeness. 
uh, I would investigate some of these cases that started out as nuts and bolts, but when I met the witnesses uh, firsthand and communicated with them directly, I found out that uh, you know they might have had a, a sighting of a physical object uh, in the sky or something that had landed uh, you know in their in their yard. But uh, if you talk to them uh, privately, you'd find out that there was a heck of a lot more going on that took place uh, after this uh, initial experience. Um, I can make a suggestion that uh, Tim may have missed so far, but I run this virtually daily for the last couple of years because I think it was on your program, Gene, but uh, this is Alan, but uh, I uh, somebody said, well, where, where are the sightings now? Well, I, I read the, for other reasons, I read the Google news feed every day and it mostly is from respectable uh, uh, sources. And there, uh, if you you know include in your category of interest UFOs, you will find that there are UFO cases in the traditional sense of not particularly numinous that are typical of UFO cases from June 24th, 1947 through now, every day. Every single day. Uh, some of them are foreign. Some of them are domestic. Some of them are from uh, uh, less uh, uh, less reliable sources like Breitbart, which I ignore, or, or Sputnik, which is uh, an arm of the Russian government. Which no, I, that's still being published. Oh yeah. Oh my god. The point well, is, they you published don't... a letter of mine when I was about 16 years old, and you know, I got UFO reports and clippings and stuff from a lot of the then the Soviet bloc countries. Let's go back to Alan in our next segment and final segment. Teen ufologists definitely grow up. Alan Greenfield, Tim Beckley, Jerome Clark, Rick Hilberg, J. Randall Murphy, our co host. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com slash host. Once again, that's technightowl.com slash host. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. It's a no-brainer. A Big Berkey water filter is the one you need, period. You need a water filter that removes chlorine, fluoride, pharmaceuticals, BPA, and other endocrine disruptors, pesticides, bacteria, viruses, and much more, right? And does it all at only two cents per gallon. Get the original and most trusted name in gravity water filtration, Big Berkey. And now GCN listeners receive 5% off ceramic filter systems using code GCN. Call or click 1-877-99-BERKEY or BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY. 
Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon you'll need a plan and place to survive. Forget bunkers. You're not a live underground gopher. You need survivalist camps, the ultimate fully functional off-the-grid mobile survival bug out house that's well-equipped and custom-built to outlast any other RV or trailer. Bold statement? You bet. See them now at survivalistcamps.com. That's survivalistcamps.com. Trust your family's survival to survivalistcamps.com. Being self-reliant is about being prepared and to do what you need to have your own source of renewable energy. Portable Solar LLC offers the most powerful EMP-hardened solar system on the market that is transportable from place to place, and the best part, it's very affordable. Contact them at PortableSolarLLC.com or call for details at 972-575-8875. Soul Arc EMP-hardened solar generator, energy insurance for your family or business. Call Portable Solar LLC today or go to PortableSolarLLC.com to check out their patent-pending technology. Are you happy washing your hands with harsh chemicals? Are you happy doing laundry with detergents? Are you happy paying high prices? Find your happiness with Pure Soap. These all-natural, earth-friendly Pure Soaps are the very best you've ever used. Buy in bulk. Get a 12, 36, or 48-month supply. Or get items individually and still save big. You're getting soap products twice as good as what you're using now. Earth-friendly and natural soaps. Your family deserves the best. Happiness is 5starsoap.com. Why not put your money up the drain for a change? See them at 5starsoap.com or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. Cal Bend Soap Company can save you thousands of dollars and give you good old-fashioned real soaps that are triple concentrated. Soaps made from vegetable and coconut oils. See their full selection of soaps at 5starsoap.com. That's F-I-V-E starsoap.com. Or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. Ralph, remember when you said you were going to start paying more attention to your health and now you're eating potato chips? Just a few. A few, okay, but you should be eating Superberries Aronia Berries. Aroni what? Aronia Berries from Superberries.com. They're known for having one of the highest levels of antioxidants that helps with overall wellness. Go to Superberries.com slash radio. And right now we get a free smoothie recipe book with our order. Plus we can save $4 at checkout. Wow, look at all the benefits of these berries. I know, Ralph, I know. Choose health, eat purple, Superberries.com. This is Micah Hanks of the Grayling Report, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. The Google News Feed has your typical UFO cases every single day. When I check Google News, I indicate UFOs as one of the topics I look for, and there's always right, something so there. Yeah, that actually, for some reason on my feed, it, it, it comes out as two different ones. But, you know, you, you, you check beyond the sources, but um, I will reprint those on, uh, if they allow reprinting on, uh, on my blog. Not because I'm particularly interested in that type of case now, but because a lot of my readers are. And also, I do want to refute that notion that is out there that where are the ufos actually the number of sightings this past year exceeded anything in the past five years it's sort of like global warming if you graph it it's uh, very interesting but uh doesn't prove anything one way or the other yeah and uh, uh but it's important to note that ordinary ufo cases are still out there for anyone who would care to investigate them uh beyond 
you know, a news clipping, so to speak. Well, I think in the news, what, what we see a lot of the times is just someone will put UFO or flying saucer or something strange just as part of the headline in order to get those people who are interested to pick up the, the story. It's an attention getter. Uh, it's part of the fake news thing. So how do you differentiate between something that's fake news and something that isn't? Well, you remember, first of all, that that's called clickbait. You say something. The yeah. other thing is you say something nasty about Apple Incorporated. You know, Nothing the iPhone 8 is going to be a big failure. That's a clickbait also. If it's New York Times or the London Times or a number of other things, uh, first of all, I fake news is a term that I find reprehensible. But uh, <laughs> we're liable to lose the First Amendment if we continue to use terminology like that. But having said that, um, uh, I, I don't I don't reprint uh, sightings that don't seem to have some meat on the bones. Yeah, yeah. But if I just put out the basic information, and if someone who is interested in the – what was that term that you used, Jerry, for the uh, more traditional cases of things that Events can – anomalies. Event yeah. anomalies. Then they have that starting point of uh, people in X saw phenomena Z, and usually it gives names – real names, and you can go from there if you're into that kind of investigation. That's just not where where I'm at. I'm more likely to refer people to William James and the varieties of religious experience than I am to Donald Kehoe and (laughs) the variety of flying saucers top secret. I think the early UFO literature, which I read in just I returned to when I was working on the encyclopedia. It's not completely worthless. I mean, there's stuff there that's recorded, and that's all good, and that's, that helps us. But generally, it's the, the theorizing, the understanding, and I'm not pointing fingers because I understand where they were back then, but it's pretty primitive. There wasn't a lot of really kind of serious thinking, and that includes serious thinking about the extraterrestrial hypothesis back then. It was all pretty superficial. It was all amateurs. Even the people that worked on the Air Force project, which people seem to think discovered something of significance, they were not particularly trained in that in that area. It's like the the old saw about cops are reliable witnesses for UFO cases, so you can trust those cases are not necessarily any better than anybody else. Cops are human beings and at four o'clock in the morning and venus rises and they're in a moving car it'll stop when you stop and go when you go i've back in my days when i was doing field investigations that was like the first thing i asked for would it look like a morning star well yeah sort of like one thing that really among the many surprises that i experienced while i was researching the encyclopedia volumes was how good NICAP's investigations were. NICAP had these field organizations. They would go out to investigate cases, and they would do just amazing jobs of running down just about everything, and they'd come back with these sick reports that, that even now make for utterly fascinating reading. But you'd read the NICAP UFO investigator, and all you would read was, blasting the Air Force. There was no indication that these real in-depth field investigations by capable people, hardworking people, were going on. 
And so NICAP, I was able to draw on a lot of those field reports in the encyclopedia, which I realized was the first time that these investigations got a full exposure. NICAP, in a sense, was its own worst enemy. Well, you know, Kehoe wanted it to be a lobbying organization. Let's get congressional hearings. I'm working to put NICAP out of business. He said all those things. Just down from the corner of DuPont Circle and Connecticut Avenue, where Gene was thrown out of the office for reasons unknown. Otherwise, I would have never met Valet, Heineck, or Ray Palmer. So thank you, Gene. Well, I feel so happy to be thrown out of NICAP, except that I met up with Richard Hall maybe a decade later, and we shook hands. And he realized, I think then, that he was way out of turn. We've talked about that a thousand and one times, so I'm not going to bother with it now. Some of our people here still have ventures to publicize. So, Tim Beckley, very briefly, if listeners want to know about the things you do, tell them where to go. Okay. The the two latest uh, books would be The Matrix Control System of Philip K. Dick, and my synchronicities, all about 50 of them. These are very wild. I mean, we're not talking about looking at the clock and seeing 444 or thinking about somebody in the, you know, they call on the telephone two days later. And the Nazi UFO time travelers. And, of course, if you want to get a free newsletter or be on the mailing list, just drop me an email at mrufo8 at hotmail.com. We still publish a print catalog and a newsletter. And, of course, we're online as well. Rick Hilberg. You're still doing stuff. Yes, I am. I've been publishing continuously since 1962. Currently, I am the editor and publisher of Flying Saucer Digest. Just celebrated our 50th anniversary since about 1997. I've been spending a lot of time on historical research, going over these old cases, cataloging stuff, putting it together, retrospective kind of stuff. You know, whether it's good or not, it just fascinates me. So I've done about 18 or 20 small books on the subject over the years. If you want to contact me, just find me on Facebook, Hilberg, H-I-L-B-E-R-G. You can send me a message and I'll send you a free sample copy of FSD. Jerry Clark, you got anything going we can check out? All of my writing, my anomalies writing, appears in 40 times, and that's features, essays, and reviews. My last two books, Hidden Realms and, and Unexplained, are available through the usual sources. I'm out of the book writing business, but I'm not out of thinking about anomalies and writing about them. Alan Greenfield, quickly. Mm-hmm. Who are you talking to? Uh, I have a new book that's in the works. The working title is God Never Does the Same Thing Twice, which is a quote from the rabbi of Bratislav. But the publisher may change the title because God sells to different audience than mine. And Complete Right of Memphis, revised edition, is still going strong. And there is the complete C-O-M-P-L-E-T-E Secret Cipher of the Euphonauts, which includes both Secret Cipher of the Euphonauts and Secret Rituals of the Men in Black, pioneering in its area, and a, a publisher called Paranoia Publishing has it out. They do pay royalties, so please buy it. Okay, very good. You can find us on Twitter if you look for the Paracast. You can find two Paracast fan clubs on Facebook. You can also subscribe to the Paracast Plus. Go to plus, P-L-U-S dot theparacast.com you get the commercial free version of this show better quality audio the after the paracast podcast where you never know what's going to happen next and other stuff and that new tv show haunted from paul kimball we're going to have one or two exclusive 
videos from there. Your co-host was J. Randall Murphy. Jerry Clark, thanks for joining us on the Paracast. Well, thank you for having me. It was, it was, it was fun. Always is. Rick Hilberg, thank you so much. Thank you. It's uh, good talking to all of you uh, old geezers again. Alan Greenfield, thank you. <laughs> I am not an old geezer. I'll see you in time. Tim Beckley, thank you for joining us. Well, I still have all my hair. And uh, glad to be on. And uh, hello to everybody. And good night. The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast. <laughs>